check it out. Let's welcome Pastor Mark here today. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together and recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us today. Who's got a copy of the book? Where's the book? The book is missing. Bob took the book. You book thief. There we go. Okay, there we go. All right. We are excited that you're here today. We are thrilled to have our good friend, the Reverend Jimmy Bratcher, with us today. He's going to be speaking. Jimmy's, yes. <clears throat> Jimmy is uh, one of the ministries that we support as he goes into all kinds of places to share the gospel of Christ. On occasion, I'm able to join with him and uh, be part of these outreaches. We just did a big uh, week of outreaches in prisons, and uh, had, it was really a fabulous week. And thank you so much for helping to support that. In our, at the end of the year, we do our legacy giving, where we raise money to do all kinds of special things and ways of helping and, and giving to others. Uh, one of the things we were able to do this last year with the money is to fund a uh, book project that Jimmy and his wife, Sherry, wrote. It's called Granny Paid for Our Divorce. And uh, he'll tell you more about it in just a minute. It's a beautiful hardcover book. It's got pictures in there that you won't be able to unsee once you see some, <laughs> some of these old pictures of uh, Jimmy and Sherry, pretty funny stuff. Anyway, it tells, tells their story uh, of faith now. The project uh, was $10,000 to print, 2,000 books, hardcover books, got an unbelievable price for these books. What's great about this form of giving is this $10,000 we were able to give to them when they sell these books will generate $40,000. So it's a great way to give and see that even multiply even more. So we're very excited about it. He's going to come and share about the book. Give it up for my good friend, Jimmy Bratcher. Hiding in the corner over there.
Tech team. Come on, give him a hand. The only time anybody ever talks to him is when they're complaining. We're glad that they're here to make it all possible. It's so, such our honor, Sherry and I. Sherry's here. Sherry, would you stand up? Anytime that we get the opportunity to come to Green Bay or one of the campuses and hang out with y'all, all y'all, it's just our privilege. You know, the first time that uh, I came here, Mark had the insight to ask me to come every Sunday in February. <laughs> and I came, and the next year he did the same thing, every Sunday in February. And that year, the second year, I had to go to Winnipeg and do a TV show. And when I came back, I, I announced to the church, I'll never complain about the weather in Green Bay again, <laughs> because I've been to Winnipeg. But, but we're so thrilled to be here. And as Mark mentioned, we just finished the transformation tour in Kansas, we were in six prisons in five days, and it was just an absolutely remarkable time. Thank you. It's not every day that you get to stand in front of thousands of convicted felons and share the gospel with them. I believe personally that if we're going to change crime in our country, we need to do it in the heart of the, belief, in the, heart of the criminal. And when we can speak to that criminal's heart, with the gospel, it brings transformation. And it'll change his life, it'll change his marriage, it'll change his children and grandchildren, and ultimately it will affect our society in a positive way. And you all helped us substantially to be able to do that this year. And Sherry and I and the team would just like to say thank you so much for that. I have a little video that I'd like to show you of some of the places where we are invited to go. You know, we don't just do church ministry. We, we are committed to do church ministry, and pretty much every week I'm in a different church somewhere in America, but also because of my music, then we're able to be in other venues. So I just want to, we put together this little video to show you what some of those places are. I'll just point out a couple of places in that video. Last fall, I was invited to perform at the Invictus Games in Toronto. The Invictus Games is an international wounded warrior competition that was started by Prince Harry. Yeah, that Prince Harry. And, uh, and then last year, we, and actually for several years, we've been going to Sturgis to the motorcycle rally there. The last couple of years, We've had the privilege of, in 2016, we were invited to open for Willie Nelson. In 2017, we were invited to open for the Doobie Brothers. So Willie, Doobie, you know, there's some connection there somewhere. I don't know what it is, but 
But anyway, so we're just, again, I just have to say how thrilling it is for us to be here and what an honor and privilege it is and how humble that, humbled that we are because of your love and support for us. We just appreciate that so much. That's very special and very precious and it's very dear to us. But, so I want to get started. I'm going to talk about this fabulous book that I hold in my hand. This isn't a book. This is a work of art. You know, you need to, we, we, I'm going to take this home and frame it and put it up on the wall because it's just so great. The title of the book is Granny Paid for Our Divorce. But before we start, I have a couple of pictures to show you. So how do you go from this to this? And just so you'll know, that is me. All right. You just have to make that clear. To this. And that's what the book is about. The book goes into all of our ugliness. And uh, if you don't know our story, our story briefly is, is that Sherry and I met at a Black Sabbath concert. <coughs> and we were both tripping. And I couldn't tell if she was that beautiful or if I was hallucinating. And uh, shortly after that, she got pregnant, we got married, and we call that marriage the marriage made in hell. Because I can say hell, it's in the Bible, it's all right. Uh, I am at Gunger's Church, I can say other things too and get away. Because <laughs> that's all there was around our house was all this chaos and turmoil. And three years into the marriage, one night we got into a fight where we got very physical and I lost the fight. And three days later, after having reconstructive surgery on my face, that's right, I had an extreme makeover back in the 70s. And uh, my grandmother came to see us and I was laying on the couch at my mother's house recovering from the surgery and my, my grandmother looked down at me and she said, baby, I will give you the money if you just get a divorce. And so that's where the title came from, because Granny paid for our divorce. And our life was just, you know, from that point on, we got a divorce. We went through all the legal proceedings, all the way through court. The judge said, you're separated, you're done, you're finished. But something had happened in our hearts. Bible says in Genesis 2.24 that, that for this cause shall a man... Leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And that word joined is where we get the word adhesive, glue. And I liken it to two pieces of wood that are put together. They're glued together and they're stuck. I mean, wood is something incredible. Elmer's glue and wood is about all you need. They'll stay together forever. And when you separate them, they don't come apart the way they went together because there's fragments from one piece on the other piece, and the same with both pieces. And when you take one of those pieces and you go out and you try to fit that piece with another piece, it just doesn't fit. But when you bring the two pieces back together, they fit perfectly together. And that's what happened to us. Even though we were divorced, there was still something in our heart that drew us back together again. And about a year after our divorce, we started seeing each other again. And of course, we couldn't tell Granny about it because she'd wanted a refund. Actually, 
We couldn't tell anybody about it because our parents would have immediately had us institutionalized or locked up because they knew the harm that we were destined to cause to each other. But we hid and we started seeing each other again. And in our craziness, somehow we decided that we would get married again. And so we got a marriage license and Sherry had started attending this little church in Northwest Missouri. And I said, I want that pastor to marry us. And on a Sunday night, December 19th, 1976, we walked into this church with a marriage license. And the only way the pastor would agree to marry us was if I would give my life to Jesus that night. Now, he didn't explain it to me. He didn't show me scripture. He didn't teach me anything about it. He was about this much bigger than me, and I was afraid of him, and I said yes. And so we had our little wedding ceremony, and it was absolutely phenomenal what happened. Psalm 40 Verses 2 and 3, verses 2 and 3 really describe what our life was like. It says this, He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord. Jesus invaded our world that night. And when we got up from that little altar that night, one of the first things that we realized, that I realized, was that Jesus was real. I'd had an opinion about Jesus. I thought Jesus was a good guy. The Doobie Brothers taught me that Jesus is just all right. But I had never had this invasion in my heart where I realized that Jesus was real. And when I realized that and believed that in my heart, he came into mine and Sherry's life with such power. It was incredible. After our little makeshift wedding ceremony after church on Sunday night, the pastor did this ceremony and we did our vows and he had us kneel and prayed over us. Then he had us stand up and face each other. And he said to each of us, he said, I want you to look at each other. And I want you to know this, you don't have a past. And I never heard any words like that before. I didn't know that it was possible that I could have a new beginning that I could start over. And he made us look at each other and he recited 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Jesus, I didn't realize it, but Jesus didn't come to make me better. He came to make me over. He came to give us new hearts, to give us new natures, to give us new beliefs, to give us new desires, and to give us new actions. And it was instantaneous. I got up from there that night and I was a different human being. The desires that I had, the beliefs that I had were radically transformed and subsequently my actions were different. Because the Bible tells us and it's so incredible that when we are born again that we get a new heart. That somehow God without us ever missing a heartbeat he reaches down inside of us and he grabs 
our heart that the Bible says is cold, it's stony, it's indifferent. And he reaches and he takes that heart out and he puts in another heart that's new, that's pliable, that's teachable, and it has his law written on it. We get the DNA of our father. We're no longer like our earthly parents. We're like our heavenly father. And his genetic comes into us. And all of a sudden, the things and characteristics of who he is become the attributes that come forth from our life. It's an incredible thing that happens. It's instantaneous and it's effortless. John 8, 32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you, make you free. And the cool thing about that verse is it reveals that it's a process. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you. It's not something that happens automatically. It will make you as we journey. But it does have a beginning. It does have a start, and that's where Sherry and I began. One of the things that we realized early on was that we realized that we didn't know anything. And that's an incredible thing for a human being to have. We had to let go of our past pain, our past religious experiences, our, and, and we needed to know, we knew that we needed to be taught. You know, I'm around people all the time that come to Jesus, and it's like you pour water on them and it's instant theologian appears. You can't teach them anything because they have all this past experience and all these other preconceived ideas and traditions that they bring forward with them into their new life. And those things need to be let go. They need to be cut loose. And we need to open up our hearts to consider that we are not right and that Jesus is right. And that's a place of peace, especially for us guys. We don't have to have all the answers because we're not right, but Jesus is. And Sherry and I learned early on that it wasn't whether she was right or I was right that mattered. What mattered is that he was right and our desire was to be right with him. And the incredible part of that is, is that none of us are right. A lot of our conflicts in religion are based on who's right and who's wrong. Who has the current revelation? Who has one leg up on the other? When in reality, Jesus is the only one that is right. Sherry and I, we found this passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians 8, 12. And this, this chapter is talking about giving, but I think it applies to this too. And it says this, for if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. And when I heard that for the first time, I thought, oh my gosh, you mean I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to know everything. All I have to do is simply be willing. And God accounts that as being all that I need. And can I just say that in 2018 America, we need some people, we need some Christians that are just their hallmark, the characteristics, when we look at their life is just that they are willing. And we need to lay down all that we think are, is right and just say, Jesus, you're right and I surrender to you. 
the NIV of that verse says, for the willingness, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. That's one of the things that's so important with our giving. It doesn't matter the amount. What matters is the willingness. It just matters that we start. I can remember one of the first things my pastor did after I was born again was he came to me and he told me that I needed to start paying tithes. And I said, what's a tithe? And he said, well, that's the first 10% of what you make. And I looked at him and I said, man, you're crazy. <laughs> but I had to become willing. Sherry and I, early on, we realized that we didn't know anything and we needed to be taught. And we found some mentors. We found a couple and their names were Jay Harold and Lynn Lee. Jay Harold Lee, brother and sister Lee. Back then when you went to church, you didn't have to know anybody's name. You just called them brother and sister. I think we need some of that, especially when I get older. Because they tell me something happens when I get older, but I can't remember what it is. <laughs> and we found brother and sister Lee. He was a Methodist pastor from Selma, Alabama. And they moved into our area and started coming to our church. And we, they invited us over one night. And it's like, man, I was just like, I felt like these people were rock stars. Because you walk into their home and it, there was peace there. I'd never experienced anything like that in my house, but you walk into their house and there was peace and they had teenage kids, teenage boys, and they were polite. Talk about having a move of God, man. They were having a move of God right there. Incredible kids. And, and I saw them and I, I said, that's, that's what I want my home to be like. That's what I want it to feel like when somebody comes to my house. That's what I want my kids to be like. And at 35 years old, Brother Lee, he had a debilitating stroke that left him completely paralyzed on one side of his body. And even though he had this tremendous disability, it still wasn't enough to stop him from having a move of God. And one night, Brother Lee was speaking in our church, and he said something that got my attention. He stood up and he said, there's two things in my life that I cannot do without God's help. And man, I thought this guy could do anything. When he said that, I was locked in. It's like, I, I don't know what he's going to say, but it's going to be important. So there's two things in my life that I have to rely on the help of the Holy Spirit every day to be able to do them. He said, I don't know how to be a husband or a father, but I have to rely on God's ability in me to help me to be able to do these things. And it was a revolutionary moment in my life because it taught me that it wasn't dependent upon me, but it was dependent upon me being willing and that God would help me to be able to do those things that I had failed at so miserably. A few moments after we came to Jesus, the pastor's wife invited us and we came down to their house to sign our marriage license. And we were sitting there talking and she began to speak to me, and I'd never heard anybody talk like this before. Yeah, she had a real thick southern accent, but it wasn't that. It was she was saying something that wasn't, I wasn't hearing it with my ears. I was hearing it with my life. And whenever God speaks to you, it's that way. 
It doesn't just something that you hear casually. It's something that when it speaks, it speaks to the very core of everything that is important and everything that's in your future and everything that depends on right at that moment. And we're sitting there talking and it's just a just a casual conversation. But she says these words to me and it changed my life. She looked at me and she says, Jimmy, now you're going to be in church all the time, aren't you? And I'm like, wow. She said those words and it, it just hit me like a, like a train. And, and I, I just like, well, yeah, I'm going to be in church all the time. Because I knew we were all jacked up and we had to have a whole bunch of help. And if I could come to church and get help, it's like, sign me up for that thing. You know, anytime on Sunday morning when our kids would come to us and say, Hey, Dad, are we going to church? And be like, shut up, boy. You know we're going to church. We're all jacked up. We got to have hell. <laughs> One Sunday morning, it snowed so bad that we couldn't get the car out. And so I told Sherry, I said, baby, I, I'm sorry. You and the kids are going to have to stay here, but I'm going to walk to church. And so I took off walking. It was five miles there, eight miles back, uphill both ways. <laughs> and I got to church. And they canceled church. <laughs> I walked to the pastor's house, knocked on his door. He goes, what are you doing here? I said, it's time for church. He said, we canceled church. I said, uh-uh, buddy. I'm all jacked up. I got to have some help. Get that Bible out and help me right now. And some of you obviously aren't as desperate as we were. They tell me now that the average Church attender in America attends church once a month. I'm like going, what's up with that deal, man? It ain't about just going to church just for the experience. You go to church because you carve out a sacred place in your life. It's not about whether Pastor Mark preaches good, because I know he has some dud Sundays, you know. <laughs> That's how that works. It's not... <laughs> That's good stuff right there. I just took you off the hook. You don't have to have it on every Sunday. You can be a dud. It's not about that. It's about something that you create in your heart, that you're going to come into a place where in your heart, you're going to connect to Jesus. And it doesn't have to do with the singing. It doesn't have to do with the preaching. It has to do with you. Excuse me. You create that space and you can come to church and be sitting here and nothing's affecting you at all. But because you open up your heart, thanks, baby, because you open up your heart to Jesus, all of a sudden answers start to come. All of a sudden, those questions to the complex problems of life. What are you going to do with your kids? How are you going to get through this in your marriage? creative inventions, things that are going to change their destiny come into your life just because you made a moment to come to, to, come to the church and just say, I'm going to do this. Excuse me. <laughs> we'll do that later. <clears throat> we'll have communion later. One of the things that Sherry and I learned is that we quit trying to lead each other. 
How many of you men been trying to lead your wives? How's that working for you? It's like herding cats, isn't it? Do you know the word leader is never used in the New Testament? Leader is defined as one who has followers. And the Bible doesn't tell us that we're to have followers. It tells us that we are to be following. And there's a big difference. <coughs> Excuse me. 1 Corinthians 11.3 talks about that when it says, For God is the head of Christ, and Christ is the head of man, and man is the head of the woman. The emphasis on that verse isn't who's following who. It's who is following we need to be those that follow Jesus. We need to be those that are committed to following Jesus. And it means to me as a man that I don't have to have all the answers, that Jesus has all the answers and I just need to be concerned, am I following him? Another thing that we learned is we learned that you don't have to have all of the faith. Ephesians 5.21 tells us it says that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22 says, "Husband or wives, submit to your husband. Before we get to wives submitting to husband, first the requirement is we need to be submitted to each other. And Sherry and I, I learned this early on. Back in 2001, I was getting ready to, uh, to do my first album, my first music project. And that was a big deal. That was a huge deal for us financially and and so we tried raising the money and got all our friends to help, and we were still short. And so I took matters into my own hands, and I drove my Harley out to the Harley dealership to see if I could sell my Harley to raise enough money to pay for my album. Now, I know that has to be a crime in Wisconsin, but I did it. And, uh, and so I talked to him, and I went home and started, went out in the garage and started to clean my bike up. And Sherry comes out, and she goes, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm cleaning my Harley up. I'm going to take it to the Harley store and sell it so we can have enough money to do this album. And she goes, well, you know, you can do that. And then you'll probably spend all that money on marriage counseling. <laughs> I'm like, what? She goes, you had a dream for that. And now the dream has been fulfilled and you're not going to sell that motorcycle. And something went off in my heart was, all right, well, she's got the faith that I don't have. So I don't have to have it. I can just follow her. I can just let her lead. I can just let her take charge and go with it. And you know what happened in just a few days? Her faith manifested. All the funds came in, and we were able to go forward. One of the things I encourage people to do a lot is to laugh a lot. To laugh a lot. You know, us Christians, man, we just way too serious. Seriously. We are way too serious. And being right is not the goal. I mentioned that earlier. Knowing and following Jesus is the goal. He is our righteousness, not us being right. And when we follow Jesus, it's incredible what happens. If you have kids, you especially need to laugh a lot with your kids. I know for us growing up, Sherry and I, we, we became very legalistic, very religious. And uh, I mean incredibly so. You know, that picture of me with short hair, 
That was in the days of when we were just like so serious about and sincere about following Jesus that we were just no fun at all. And it had an effect on our kids. I was in church a few weeks back and the youth pastor at a church where Sherry and I attend were speaking and he said this. You get 940 Saturdays between birth and their 18th birthday. And he asked a good question, how are you going to spend those? 260 of those Saturdays are gone by the time they are age five. And it just hit me. It's like, you know, don't spend all of your time sending your kids someplace to some activity. That's great, and you should do that, but it shouldn't be everything. Because your children need to be around you and see who you are and see how you react. You know, don't be something in church that you aren't outside of the church. If you're not the same person both places, there's a problem. And have fun with your kids. You know, Sherry and I, we, we, were li we lived out in the middle of stinking nowhere, Missouri. I mean, it, it's like when we moved there, every store closed at 530. It's like if you didn't go to the store before 530, you wasn't getting it, you know. And, and we just, you know, when we did something, we didn't have a choice but just to throw the kids in the truck and go with the kids. The kids went with us. We were building something. If we were working at church on work day, if we were cutting firewood because we heated with wood, we didn't have a choice. We'd just throw the kids in the car and we'd just go do it. And I'm afraid that nowadays, too many times, we're sending our kids someplace else to be influenced and taught ethics and morality instead of them seeing it modeled by our parents. And I just want to encourage you. Go ahead. You can applaud. I just want to encourage you to take the time to have your kids with you. And just remember, it's only for a moment. They're just yours for a little bit. One of the things that we also learned is we learned that being spiritual isn't hard. You know, we try so hard, we want to we please Jesus, we want to follow Jesus, but you know what Jesus wants? He wants us to just put on him and just walk in life. We call it the ministry of showing up. Christ in us, wherever we go, he goes, and wherever he goes, stuff happens. When I used to office outside of the home, I started doing something that took, I think I talked to you about this once, but I, I'm sure I told you all these stories before, but hey, they're my stories and I got the microphone, so. But uh, I would office outside of the home and I'd cheer and I'd get up, we'd have coffee and I'd get dressed and ready to leave and, and I'd just walk up to her and I'd just wrap her in my arms and I'd just say, Father, I thank you for my wife. I ask you to bless her today. I ask you to fill her with boldness and confidence, possessed by peace, Lord. Please keep her hormones in check so she doesn't kill me later. <laughs> and just take a few moments and lay my hands on my wife and bless her. Some of you men need to start doing that for your wives. It's not that hard to be spiritual because we have the very nature and person of God living in us. The Trinity lives inside of us, and that comes out if we will allow it. My last thing that I want to talk about before I stop 
is believe in new beginnings. Forgiveness is the hallmark. It's the pinnacle of Christian experience. And whenever you're failing in life, many times the cure is that you just need to give or receive forgiveness. For Sherry and I, we learned this early on. And she taught me so much about forgiveness because she had to forgive me of all of the things that I put her through. And likewise, I had to receive that forgiveness and I had to extend forgiveness to her. In your marriage, you need to be astute at forgiveness. You need to be an expert. As believers in Jesus, we need to be those people that are so talented and so gifted at forgiving that it's so remarkable because that's the characteristic that Jesus portrayed the most, that God sent him so that we could see what God was like and we could experience the reality of his forgiveness in our hearts. And we are the representatives of Christ, taking Christ to the world to show Jesus to everyone. I pray today that when you leave here, that your life is enriched, that you're blessed. I know the campuses have some of the books. Sherry and I will be out in the foyer. We'll be glad to sign them. I hope that this has inspired you to just love Jesus, follow Jesus, and enjoy your life. God bless you all. Thank you so much.